The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Gear up, Dolphin Finn, because it is about to be a wild offseason. Jake and Josh are piloting this ship as we prepare for a new era of Miami Dolphins football. If you don't already, follow them on Twitter at jmendel94 and at house. Help our community grow by hitting the subscribe button and leaving a review. We thank you all for the support. Now let's talk some football. After a night and a half of sitting on our hands watching Tyree Kill highlights, the Miami Dolphins have made their first selection of the 2022 NFL Draft. Welcome into the Finsider. This is the Jake and Josh show. We decided it'd be important that Josh and I hop on here at Saturday morning, 10 a.m., and talk about the newest Miami Dolphin, Channing Tindall, inside linebacker from Georgia. So, Josh, I don't know how we stayed up this late for the Dolphins to pick all the way at 102. But man, uh, you it impacts the linebacker core a little bit. Uh, what what was your thoughts when they drafted Tyndall? 
I'm going to be honest, man. I was kind of surprised he was still there. I guess the way I valued these linebackers must have been, you know, way off. But I mean, I thought this was an awesome pick. I think when we were doing our podcast, you know, a couple of weeks leading up to the draft, I think linebacker was that biggest need. I think that's that biggest need on the defense. And I mean, when you watch a tape, dude, this guy is a heat seeking missile. So I was uh, I was stoked for this pick. I mean, those we kept saying F all those picks, man, but it did suck. Did it not just sitting there watching all these other teams make these picks? I mean, I know we had Tyree kill, but uh, that was a long wait. But when the Dolphins finally got on the board, uh, I was pretty stoked with that pick of Channing Tindall. I got to say, uh, seeing like Jets fans posting pictures of like how cool their GM is, it, it didn't bother me one bit, man. I got I to be completely honest, saying that the Giants won the 2022 NFL draft. I'll take Tyree kill. I will take Tyree Hill 10 times out of 10. And, you know, there are going to be times where you trade a first round pick for someone like Marquise Brown. I would not be happy, you know, but the, the perspective of the way the Dolphins made the trade, I I am pretty content with picking first at 102. And man, I've said this time and time again, I don't watch a lot of college uh, football. So, you know, obviously the Dolphins draft Tyndall and instantly, you know, you start to see the highlights flowing into your timeline on Twitter. And the first thing that stuck out to me, you kind of said it, the heat seeking missile. And I thought, wow, this guy could actually help a lot when you think back to the fact that Josh Allen ran all over this team twice last year. I think one game it was seven yards per carry and the other was six, somewhere around there. Uh, the heat-seeking missile, the Josh Allen stopper, that's why I sent to you in the DMs, seems like it is going to be a nice addition where it's someone who can come in and play right away in the third round, which I think one of the last guys who really was able to do that might have been Jerome Baker. Yeah, and it's funny you bring up Jerome Baker, Jake, because if you look at the mock draftable, you know, they do all the different um, measurements and, you know, combine different testing and things like that. One of his comparisons was actually Jerome Baker. So uh, I like that you brought that up. But, man, uh, I love that you said about the Josh Allen QB spine because uh, as soon as you sent that to me, man, it just seemed like everybody on Twitter was also running with that. So um, I think what we're getting here is a linebacker that's unlike anything else we have on the roster. You mentioned Jerome Baker, but, uh, again, I think Tyndall might be better in coverage, although that's probably the – point of his game that I would focus on most but dude this guy can stop the run spy the quarterback like you said I think Travis Wingfield threw out a stat about his past rush reps I think he was 10th in the nation in that success so uh, again versatile player you heard Chris Greer say how he fit the system you heard Tyndall say how he fit this system so um, he's going to come in here and compete but when you looked at this roster man I think most of these guys in the middle of that linebacking unit was on what one-year deals Duke Riley Mm -hmm. uh, Guavin uh, you know Landon Roberts. Um, so this was definitely a move the Dolphins needed to make, Jake. But um, you're definitely right when you said about how these fan bases are stoked about everything because um, you saw what the Jets did, what the Bills did. That was pretty much a way to counter, you know, the Dolphins going out there getting Tyreek Hill. And then you mentioned this. This was almost a move to counter Josh Allen. So um, some, I guess, reindeer games, hunger games going on in the AFC East. But um, love this pick. You mentioned Landon Roberts. You mentioned that uh, linebacker core, you know, I was wondering, I think the biggest question a lot of us had is how much does this team value that linebacker position? You spend a butt ton on Emmanuel Ogba. You give Christian Wilkins his fifth-year option. You sign Xavier Howard to a massive extension. You have Byron Jones on a big extension. So you think about, can they afford to kind of let linebackers slip away? And I was wondering if that'd kind of be the case. You know, you just kind of go in with what you have. You make it work with the Jerome Bakers, the Duke Rileys that come in. And, you know, you, you're happy when they make a play and you just, you're happy their plays that, you know, don't beat you. And so I guess when you look at Tyndall and how he could have an impact his rookie season, I don't think it's going to be uh, trying to stop the run. The Dolphins were already a team that struggled against the run. And Watching Tyndall, man, it seems like he'd be the ideal like react type of player based on the, you know, the different offenses you're going to be facing. 
the different, uh, you know, skill groups you're going to be facing. He seems like a guy who can go out and coverage. He has the speed to keep up with running backs, but I still see him as that quarterback spy where if he gets that open lane and there's a quarterback trying to make something happen with his feet or extend a play, uh, Lamar Jackson, man, uh, Patrick Mahomes can do it. You, there's a bunch of different, you know, quarterbacks that just don't sit in the pocket anymore. You're not going to have that Ben Roethlisberger sitting back there. So I see him, man, as someone who's going to be that quarterback spy more than anything. Uh, but I do, I guess the concern why, you know, he's a third round pick, uh, he seems like he's someone, especially early on, if he has to kind of go up against a, a bigger tackle, he can kind of just be swatted away or, or just kind of pushed off his weight and, and use that uh, to his disadvantage. But if he can get that clear line, if, you know, you have the Christian Wilkins, the Manuel Agba, Zach Sealer all taking up blockers, I think that's where he can shine when he can have that straight line speed and go right at the ball carrier. Yeah, 100%, man. I pulled up the uh, mock draftable thing and, the, you know, the biggest knocks, I guess, against him were his height, the weight, and his wingspan. I mean, those were all, you know, way under the average. But then you look at what he did in the 40-yard dash, 4.47. Vertical jump, 42 inches. Broad jump, 129. Those are all in, like, the 95 percentile. So you're getting an athlete, Jake, and you mentioned the guys up front helping him out. That, I guess, would be a little bit of my concern. When you looked at that Georgia defense, where they have six guys in the first round, then you have, uh, you know, a couple more go after that. So, I mean, that would be my biggest thing. Is he going, like, was he a project? product of you know those guys around him but again I don't think that's the case I, I mean we watched as much tape as we could over the last what 12 hours but <laughs> I mean I'm definitely giddy excited I mean I wrote down an article I probably Leo Chanel rated higher than him I the Dolphins you could have made a case for going after Isaiah Spiller I'm kind of surprised he's still here so there were some other names out there Jake but again I still think linebacker was the biggest need and I think like you mentioned we shouldn't be expecting him to come in here and be a three down linebacker right away we should expect him to come in here and you know build off of what he's done in college. And that was one of the things that Chris Greer touched on is every year he got better in college, every year he took on a bigger role. So um, again, man, it's hard not to get excited. I'm the Homer. I was trying to do a draft grade for this. And I thought, what, I mean, if you're a Homer, man, this is definitely an A, right? On. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, again, excited for what this means for the defense and excited to, to watch this guy, because I mean, you mentioned a change of direction, different things like that. I mean, he, he's what we wanted in the in linebacker and now they have it. You know, you, I'm glad he brought up that Georgia defense because I think that is is always the biggest question. Hey, he was on a stacked roster. I mean, it's the same thing every year with Alabama, right? Are these guys actually good or is it just based around the talent? I guess the positive, man, I just kind of go back to the fact that a lot of the times he's chasing down quarterbacks. It's it's ISO ball, as weird as it is to kind of compare basketball. Everyone else is doing their job. It opens up that one-on-one -on -one opportunity. So that's why I'm hopeful, you know, the weight might be an issue early on. You know, these are still kids. Uh, when he doesn't have to worry about, you know, those big, you know, offensive linemen, whatever it may be coming at him. I, I think he can do, you know, well in coverage, but, you know, maybe if they switch it up, you know, run the football, I think he can be a guy who might struggle against, you know, a guard running at him, you know, at his top speed, whatever it may be. So Josh, it was weird. The Dolphins had the 38th pick in the third round. Uh, compensation picks obviously have something to do with that, but the team has, well, I think three more picks number 125, which is going to happen pretty quickly in the fourth round. And then 224 and 227. I got to ask you, one, do you see them maybe using those two sevens because they're seventh round draft picks in the NFL draft to maybe adjust that fourth round pick a little bit, move up for someone? Or do you think they're maybe going to try to sit there or even, who knows, man, trade a seventh round pick next year and those two seventh rounds move up to a six? Do you see them doing anything with these or just kind of letting the draft play to them? 
I'm glad you brought that up, Jake, because I don't know if you saw people, you know, going spin zone on that. But Chris Greer mentioned how he was talking with other teams during the draft about making trades. And he said those 2023 picks were non-negotiable. So um, I know a lot of people were looking into that in the quarterback situation. But I think if they were smart, they would package those seven, two seven round picks and try to move up. I keep thinking Alec Lindstrom, the center from Boston College. I mean, he's been the guy that we kind of connected the dots to from the beginning just because of his relationship with Matt Applebaum. So, I mean, this is kind of that area where he might go. Isaiah Spiller I don't know man but I, I like the way the Dolphins are sitting I know a lot of people want tackle and I want to get your thoughts on this because the way I keep viewing this is yes there's some great prospects on the board I would mess up their names if I said it I just called the one guy falafel but um, <laughs> there's some good tackles out there man and it just makes you wonder if Chris Greer would be ready to admit that he missed on Liam Eikenberg missed on Austin Jackson and go up there and get a tackle because at that point I mean I don't even know where those guys would fit on this roster than you know depth and that would be uh, again Chris Greer admitting his mistake this is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting. Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snacket. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. I think that's the best problem to have. it. And I posed a question on Twitter yesterday. If the Dolphins packaged all four of their picks, the third, fourth, two sevenths, and could add one nice guy that's going to give you a solid 8-10 starts, would you take a linebacker? Would you take a guard or a center, I think I put, or a running back? Having that extra uh, boost on the offensive line, drafting a center doesn't mean Michael Dieter is not going to be important. I think drafting a tackle doesn't mean that Austin Jackson, that uh, Liam Eikenberg aren't going to have opportunities to still improve, especially, man, it's the fourth round. I don't really see that as like a big investment, admitting your mistake type of thing. Uh, but I am going to you know, be a little bit of a homer. I still think Lar- Larnell Coleman, excuse me, out of UMass, they drafted last year in like the seventh round. Uh, basically, he was just a very, very raw guy. Has all the traits, though. So tackle, I'd be pretty open with. Um, I do still really want a running back. I don't know why. I know the uh, room is deep. I just kind of think back to last year and all the injuries. Uh, in a perfect world, you know, a tackle wouldn't see the field. A running back wouldn't see the field. But, you know, we're Dolphins fans. We don't live in a perfect world. No, we don't. And I like that you mentioned, you know, this is the fourth round. This is the seventh round. You're not necessarily admitting your mistake. And if you go out there and get a guy, I know Zach Tom's a name that everyone keeps bringing up. That's a guy who's played five, all five positions on the offensive line. So, I mean, maybe they look that way. I I don't know, but I think we all can agree that, you know, they're going to be going out there, hopefully finding a center right tackle. I think they could still use cornerback help, right? I mean, we don't know what's going on there. Byron Jones could be on his way out over the next year or so, you know, no Igbenogany we're still waiting on. So, um, definitely some moves to be made, but, um, uh, again, man, I go back to Channing Tindall and I, I tweeted out, I don't know if you saw it, but he just reminds me of Lightning McQueen, dude. Like if Lightning yeah. McQueen was in twisted metal or something, just the way he runs around and hits people. So, 
Um, we'll definitely do a book club on him, you know, once we dive more into the tape. But um, right now we had to come on here and just express our excitement because it's just insane, man. I mean, Tyree Kill, you sat here and waited this long. And now from the looks of it, you know, they get, by all accounts, a potential starting linebacker, which, again, I thought was the missing piece on that defense. So stoked, man. Absolutely stoked. One last little mad scientist, uh, Charlie, talking about the mail thing. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, we spent three years griping that, you know, the Dolphins, why didn't they trade a fourth round pick to move up in the second to get a running back, whatever it may be. We had a, a few different examples of that throughout the years. Um, and they do it once for Tyree Kill. And all of a sudden I'm back to thinking, hey, let's trade all these picks to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, you mentioned that next year's picks are non-negotiable. I have to think, Josh, those are like the top two, three rounds. What what would your thoughts be if you could trade 224, 227, maybe a sixth, maybe a fifth next year? Who knows to move up and get the punter of your dreams? Yeah, the uh, Legatron. Yeah, I'd be all for that, man. And you're right. I mean, again, you're debunking my myth here, but uh, he was absolutely talking about those five top 100 picks. And I'm sure that's what teams wanted, you know, when he wanted to move up potentially for a Nicobe Dean or, you know, even Channing Tindall or whatever they had on their mind. So, um, yeah, Jake, let's do it. Package at, send it up. I think. Uh, you and I both, it looks like we're in agreement. You know, they got to come away today, hopefully with another running back who, you know, will be that fantasy darling in uh, Mike Shanahan type offense that's going to uh, get be, frustrate the hell out of us. But uh, I still keep thinking Alec Lindstrom, man. But, dude, send it in. Send that in. I'm all for that. And I think you're right. Chris Greer was definitely hoarding those uh, early day one and day two picks and not so much those late acorns. Yeah, and if they, you know, nab a center at that pick, I'd be pretty happy with it, I think having a fourth round pick coming in and potentially start, especially if Michael Dieter hasn't grown a beard yet. I think that is a, a very strong opportunity. And I, I don't know what it is. I just think that those six, those seventh round picks, I mean, it, it's great to bring in a player, but if you can use any type of value for them up front, I think that is just much, much more helpful uh, in terms of getting something out of it, because there are so many six, seventh round picks that, you know, don't make it Believe it or not, it's hard to make it in the NFL. So if you could squeeze those out and, you know, you get the punter uh, behind a veteran who might have some injury history, I, I think that'd be a pretty cool opportunity. It'd be another guy you can just promote on, on social media and things like that. Obviously, that isn't, you know, <laughs> what the Miami Dolphins, what Chris Greer is thinking about. But I, I see a value in that if you can get that punter and, and make that happen. Yeah, man. And that would be all it would be, right? I mean, Michael Dieter's not scared of competition. They brought in how many veterans, you know, year after year. So I would see no issue with them bringing in a rookie to compete there and, you know, hopefully solidify that offensive line because that's as far as this team's going to go is, you know, that offensive line, this offense. Lastly, Jake, I just want to get your thoughts on this entire draft. You know, I say the entire draft, but at least the first two days. I mean, what were your thoughts? I mean, sitting up here in Pennsylvania, I cannot believe what the Philadelphia Eagles accomplished. I mean, <laughs> I kept joking there at Jordan Davis, but then, you know, A.J. Brown, N'Kobe Dean, I mean, uh, Cam Jurgens, the center. They had a hell of a draft. And then, like you said, the inner division with the Jets and Bills. James Cook looked very sad to go to the Bills. I don't know if you saw that, man. But um, uh, overall, it's just been a crazy draft. And it's just been a crazy season. And um, I, I don't know, man. Hopefully, the league goes back to normal. And we're not expecting this every year. But uh, I think they spoiled us. And this might become the new norm. Yeah, especially, man, I think the just amount of wide receiver talent we're seeing not only in the league, uh, but come into the league each and every year is certainly changing things. The quarterbacks, I don't really can say I was too surprised there. I do wonder if teams were a little too gun shy when you're letting these guys go into the middle of the third. Uh, I just feel like you're, you're risking a lot there that maybe he'd be taken with, by another team. If you really like a guy, I think they should be taken. Then, you know, middle of the third round, that just kind of seems like a, a strange position to draft a guy. I, I don't know. I'm 
if that even makes sense. No, it does. And I, yeah, I can't believe Malik Wills fell that far. He Desmond Ritter went ahead of him. I mean, crazy. It, it was just a wild draft, but I guess that speaks to the Testament. I mean, all these experts and analysts were calling this a, you know, a sad quarterback class. And I guess ultimately that's the way these scouts and general managers felt as well. So um, I guess we should start realizing that you shouldn't believe all these mock draft simulators and, and mock drafts that you read. I guess that's the, the ultimate thing we learned. And two with that, man, it's important to keep in mind that so many people do so many mock drafts that so many names are going to be mentioned and it's going to be 100% wrong. I think that is kind of the interesting to keep in mind. I look at the mock draft season as more of a way to gain insight on players more than will where they'll actually go because you consider, man, you could have four guys from US Today making mock drafts. What do they know? You could have 12 guys from SB Nation. No offense, but what I'm getting to is what do they know? None of us really know anything. So it's just a good way to absorb content and get a different perspective. And hey, that's what you guys did here with us today. Thank you for joining us on a little bit of a special weekend edition of the Finsider. We're going to do a bigger recap of Miami's massive draft consisting of a third, fourth, and two seventh round picks. Um, Maybe tomorrow, early next week. And, you know, we don't know the exact day, but the only way you will is if you hit that subscribe button. So be sure to do that. Follow Josh on Twitter. He's already been posting highlights. That's H-O-U-T-Z. Uh, how I can be found at jmendel94. Thank you guys for joining us. I hope you have a good rest of the weekend. Get out there. Enjoy that sun. And most importantly, fins up. Fins up, baby. Enjoy the that final day of the Finsider draft. Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the